Hello, I'm Elliot Knight, Director of the Alabama State Council on the Arts. Welcome to Alabama Arts Radio. Each week, Council staff will introduce you to exceptional artists and special people who make the arts happen in Alabama. Alabama Arts Radio features the visual, performing, literary, and folk arts that contribute to our state's rich cultural heritage. Join us each Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central to explore the diverse and dynamic arts landscape in Alabama. Hello, this is Ren Carroll, an intern at Alabama State Council on the Arts, and recently my coworkers and I had the privilege of visiting a very special place, and it got me thinking. When we talk about a common thread, we're often referencing an important practice, trait, or idea that binds together families and communities. This metaphorical connection spans geography and generations, and in Wilcox County, Alabama, these threads are a little bit more than metaphorical. The Freedom Quilting Bee Legacy lives in a light pink building on County Road 29 in Alberta, Alabama. In the 1970s, until its closure in the mid-2010s, women from the surrounding communities gathered at the Freedom Quilting Bee to cut, sew, and quilt fabric. Their skills and determination forged economic opportunity and community connection. Their craft continues to tie members of the community together. We invite you to listen as Community Arts Program Manager Jacqueline Viscup talks with a group of community members and former quilters about how they work together to bring back this important Wilcox County landmark. I'm Kim Kelly, and I serve as a volunteer director for the Freedom Quilting Bee Legacy. I do all the behind-the-scenes work, the working with the lawyers, working with the accountants. You know, the board charts its you know direction and its vision, and um, I just try and help them get there. It was a very complex process to convert that old co-op to a nonprofit. Can you give us some historical context of how it operated at that co-op stage before it became a nonprofit? These these are stories that are not my stories, but stories I've come to understand and know and appreciate. In 1966, thereabouts, uh, Reverend Francis Walter was down in the area on the Freedom Rides mission, basically, to register people to vote. And as he and another man in his group were traveling down County Road 29, they saw these beautiful quilts hanging on lines just being aired out. Reverend Francis Walter realized that they were works of art. So they went to find the people who made these quilts, and they, the women to run away from them because there were white men coming to their houses. They didn't know them. He was able to find someone in the in the area who knew the women and had started having conversations with them. So at, over time, he started selling these quilts in uh, other parts of the country, New York primarily, um, Jackson Pollock. Those kinds of folks started you know becoming interested in these works of art. And so he would come down with cash, and the women would be on the side of the road. He'd give them ten bucks, five bucks for these quilts, and that was that was big money for things that the folks here just viewed as linen necessity they were convinced that they needed to develop a cooperative the freedom quilting bee was was a founding cooperative of the the federation of southern cooperatives a buyer for bloomingdales convinced them that you know if you could standardize these sizes we could sell them on the retail market so that's what they began to do and so she said we need to find some land for you to build a building so you have a manufacturing operation. Well, her husband, interestingly, was an architect. The architect who designed this building never came here. He just sent the plans down, and it was built to be this. And when they began to do that, they got retail contracts with Bloomingdale's, Sears and Roebuck, some major, you know, uh, American retailers. Became a co-op in 1966. This building was built in 1969, and in that period. 
Martin Luther King Jr. came to Pleasant Grove Baptist Church encouraging uh, people in the community to go to Camden and register to vote. And the message that he left was, when black people begin to vote, you will get your freedom. The name Freedom Quilting Bee came about as a result of that message from Martin Luther King at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church back then. Well, he was assassinated in April 4th, 1968. They broke ground on this building in August of 1969, and they actually commemorated this building as the Martin Luther King Jr. Sewing Center. Still to this day, we have the original portrait that hung in this building of Martin Luther King Jr. I am Lonnie Brown Jr., and I'm a, I am function as one of the board members at the Quilting Bee. I, th I felt it necessary to serve, to try to do whatever I could to help preserve the history of the quilting. It, in my mind, from my childhood, it has always stood out as uh, a worthwhile community-based positive force, I guess. I, the next reason I, I was particularly interested in it is because of the people who initiated this, Ms. Estella Willspoon in particular. She was a remarkable lady. It, it was more than just a statement. It was more than just a, a haphazard faith. She, she lived it and imparted this with the community. And I think those are some of the things that helped to, to move her to do all that she could to help humanity, to help the community. And I believe that is how the idea of quilting got started. It, it started as women who were just concerned about their families and trying to provide for them. And those quilts would be so heavy in the wintertime, you couldn't hardly turn over. I'm reminded of that story about uh, Moses at the Red Sea. And he had Pharaoh pursuing and obstacles in the Red Sea before him. And the Lord said, stretch out thy rod over the sea, which in essence interprets to me, use what you have in this moment of crisis. So, uh, you know, just them doing everyday uh, things that was needed in the community. Now, I, I think it also flourished because it provided an escape from the everyday routine. It provided a fellowship with each other. That was some six, seven, eight ladies would get together and they would quilt. It was it was a union that 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 you that you can't find anywhere else. The women were pushed and moved. I guess Miss Wilson was was pushed and moved as well as civil rights to do something. You just you know, you had to do something. You know, after all that took place, the civil rights or John Lewis, Dr. King spoke down the church in the bin. My daddy, he's on the picture out there. He he was the first registered voter in this county since Reconstruction. But what I'm saying, it 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 had an impact, and uh, it, it has an influence on you that you really uh, have to do something for the betterment of society and for your people as well, you know. As I reflect on the, the Deep South during that period of time, you know, we think of it as a period of tragedy and a period of terror. This is place of inspiration. And so I view it as a period of inspiration here. Much of the work that was done during that period of time was done by the entire family. 
you know, in the, in the fields, sharecropping. This place gave women an opportunity to use the skills that they have learned for generations to the benefit of their families. Hi, my name is Patty Irvy. I'm currently serving on board of the FQB Legacy, and I'm serving as the secretary. I began with the Quilton Bee when I was only a teenage girl when it was a sewing center. I would come down during the summertime when I went to school to help make money to clothe my niece that was living with us. When I graduated from high school, I was on and off here working. I've had wonderful experiences here with the Quilton Bee. They have always treated us good and fair. We was all friendly. We got along together. And I have a picture hanging in the feet of the Legacy Museum at this time when I was only 17 or 18 years old. I got um, into the civil rights movement. I was also a teenager. I just was so interested in rights and uh, betterment of people. And at the time, I would go to Camden with older people and we would pick it in front of state stores. But uh, we was doing a march one day, a nonviolent march, and myself and three other of my siblings, we got arrested. Two of us was in the state, out in the county, I was saying some was in the city jail. So we was there from on Friday evening until late Monday night. But this building served as the um, place for meetings. So during the civil rights movement, we will gather here and get our plans together, what we need to do, what we should do, what we should not do. So um, it played a big part in that. And I did get arrested, and like I said, so many more got arrested. The Quilton Bee also sold land to families. My family owned a plot of land about two blocks from here, and I was able to walk here, and I was the first one to work here. I had a sister under me that um, managed the quilting bee, the daycare center for some years. But I was the first one to work here. Why, why the quilting bee? Why work here? Why choose this as a source of employment? Okay. Like I uh, first stated, I was going to school when I uh, was working. And there wasn't anywhere else to, for children to get a job. We didn't really have stores at that time because they were about, we had a few, but they were owned by, you know, white people. And they hadn't closed and most of them had left. Alabama died out, Alberta, I would say. So this place mean a place of employment. I just came to see if it was something I could do, and it was actually my only choice because I didn't have transportation, and I knew I could walk here. My experience has been really great working with the people, sewing, and trying to make a better place for our children and younger, the next generation coming along because we plan to do so many things with this, uh, with this land, with the building. We plan to do so much in the building and the museum. My name is Taylor Irby, and I'm from Alberta, Alabama. And I went, left here and went to Detroit and worked for 30 years. And I, I've been around here now, back around here, about 28 years. When this place was working, my mother was living, she worked here. Because it opened up, it opened up after I left here. I was, I was gone. I left here in 64 looking for a job. And this place didn't open up until 67. And, and so I, I, I didn't know 
much about it because I used to come here and my mother would be coming down here working and I'd come down here and just look around, you know. So I'm here visiting her. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 was, I told her a few times, I wish this thing could keep on going. But see, when the older people like her left off the scene, we didn't have anybody else to come in and take, take over. Yeah, well, that'd been a good thing if we could have, you know, because this place said, when I moved home, they had a daycare center and a few people uh, working on quilt, but that didn't last long. Sooner or later, that just went on, phased on down because some women were dying. And the younger women were doing like I did, leaving here, going looking for a job. Yeah, and that, and that, that's, that continued to, to, to tear things down, right? So it's, take, it's sit dumb for about 15 years when nothing, when nothing just going on down. But I still, I still love my community. I, I wouldn't go nowhere. That's, that's been my effort to try to get more people to come and meet and hear what we're saying and try to, maybe they can go away from the meeting with an idea themselves. You know, come back in and get, tell us what they desire. Because it's just a few of us working at this. When this place was working, my mother was living. She worked here. It opened up after I left here. I was, I was gone. I left here in 64 looking for a job. And this place didn't open up until 67. So I, I, I didn't know much about it. Because I used to come here and my mother would be coming down here working. And I'd come down here and just look around. I'm here visiting her. And uh, I, 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 was, I told her a few times, I wish this thing could keep on going. But see, when the older people like her left off the scene, we didn't have anybody else to come in and take, take over. I mean, that would have been a good thing if we could have. When I moved home, they had a daycare center and a few people working on quilt, but that didn't last long. Sooner or later, that just went on, phased on down because some women were dying. And the younger women were doing like I did leaving here going looking for a job. That's, that continued to tear things down, right? It's sitting dumb for about 15 years. Do yeah. you have some memories, or maybe one memory that you could share of how your mother talked about this place and what it meant to her? She loved the place. Yeah. Uh, she probably might have been the oldest one that was in here, but she, she really loved the place. And, and I love her, so I love the place mm -hmm. too. A picture on the wall out there. It's right down on the end here. But she's she a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. She was to me anyway. When you would mm -hmm. come here and visit, uh, when the women were quilting together, what did they talk about? Or did they tell jokes? They, they didn't want me in there. Uh -huh. so they didn't want me to hear some of the things. <laughs> they didn't want me to hear some of the things that they were saying. Yeah, so what I do, I stay around just a little while. Then I leave. It was just like when my mother used to be cooking in the house. Now, I been did something when I was young then. I been did something, and she get punishing me by making me come and sit on the quilt that she was quilting on. And I, and I sit down, want to get outside so bad, and praying for somebody to come in. Because then as soon as somebody come in to help her, she said, get on out of here, boy, go on. 
Oh, out of here. You ain't got no business in here with us. One thing, two things she really loved was the church that she belonged to and this building here. Don't say anything about her past. Or her quilting be ladies, her right? Her <laughs> quilting be ladies. She loved them ladies. And they love her, too. <laughs> if you could tell us about a dream that you have for what this place could be for the community, could you describe that for us? Yeah. My, my dream was for... We have something, something to uh, look forward to, uh, you know, something like a maybe some kind of gymnasium or recreation center. If we only get something that make that you somebody can come in and make a job with, people been donating. I appreciate the way people been donating, so we can could get something started. And it won't be just by quilt. Uh, my name is Sheila Smith. I'm the treasurer of the FQB Legacy. I was born and raised here on County Road 29. Every child that was on County Road 29 some way ended up either going to daycare here or parents worked here. My mom was named Florine Smith. She was a quilter slash sewer slash cutter of the original Freedom Quilter Bee. We used to come in the summer when I was growing up, uh, help with the kids in the daycare, come play visit parents. We would come eat our summer lunches here from like 11.30 to 1. You walk in, you speak to every lady that was, you go to them, hey, Miss So-and-so, hey, Miss Betty, hey, Miss Witherspoon, hi, hi, how y'all doing? Stay too long, they put you to work. Go in the office and get some cloth, tell them I need some red. Oh, Lord, I never knew there was so many color red in my life. Take it out. That ain't the right red. Go back again. That ain't the right one. Go back again. Tell eventually you bought the right red. <laughs> It was fun, and I miss it. So we're, we're trying to get back into doing that now. Can you tell us a little bit more of airing of the quilts and, and where that comes from and what that's like? As I remember growing up, all our elderly during the springtime would take the quilts out under the mattress or wherever they was and hang them out, and you would have to get a, a brush broom or whatever and beat the little dust out of them, and they airing them out to put up for the fall of the year. We participated in the airing of the quilt in October, which went along real well. So we're going to look at this, doing that uh, airing of the quilt every year. We're going to have some quilt workshops here for our future. Uh, we plan on doing workshop retreats. We have 13 acres we're going to develop, looking into doing cabins, uh, since there's nowhere really here for visitors to stay. What do you think the personal impact was on you to be from childhood around a woman-led organization like this? I mean, this was a woman-led business at a time where there weren't that many. The impact has been, it has been tremendous for me. I, somebody said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Now, we as men don't like to admit that, but it's far more true than, than not. You know, you speak your mother's tongue. To summarize it, I think we still have to have uh, the caring, uh, the love, uh, the sense of fellowship and unity that existed then, because I be truly believe that's what the, the, the Freedom Quilt and Big grew out of. And uh, there were some ladies in the community that was responsible for my upbringing, shall we say. So, so all of this is, is wrapped up in why I'm here. I don't know if it's going to do a lot, but I'm, I'm committed to be here and do what we can to try to preserve what's here. It may make a difference uh, in the life of children that are coming by, you know. One of the things that the board members of the organization have, you know, keep reminding 
us is that there were men behind these women. Much like when men are successful in life, there are always women behind the men. When women see other women being able to be successful and children see their mothers able to be successful, because there was a daycare center here too, I think it is said that when women can be successful, communities can be successful. Everyone seems to have been supportive of everyone else. All the children were su supported by all the women in this place. And it was a loving place to be. And it, they got some amazing work done. Uh, so for those who are listening who want to learn more about Freedom Quilt TV Legacy, come see the exhibit that you have on display about the history uh, how or support the work that you're doing and the goals of the organization, how do they find out information? Sure, that's a great question. Go to fqblegacy.org, fqblegacy.org, and look us up on our website. Learn a little bit about us, our vision, and our mission. And if you want to come down here, Tuesdays through Saturdays, we're open 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 4295 County Road 29, Alberta, Alabama, 36720. And you'll see a big pink building on the left side of County Road 29 with the letters FQB. And you know you've arrived. You can also, um, if you'd like to contribute to our work, um, we're happy to receive any uh, level of contribution. You can contribute at fqblegacy.org. We have a donate button on our website, or you can, you know, send us money in the old-fashioned way in the mail. And we'll be happy to receive that as well. Um, this is a organization that thrives on its friends. We have lots of friends in Alabama. We want to grow our um, individual donor base so that uh, we can keep things going here. But we've got great relationships with the um, Alabama State Council on the Arts, and uh, we've received grants from the Alabama Historical Commission and um, from the Black Belt Community Foundation. And more in importantly, Souls Grown Deep Foundation has been our um, primary benefactor. They have believed in us from the beginning, um, and we appreciate that relationship. Um, we thrive with help from our friends. Interested in learning more about the Freedom Quilting Bay Legacy? Please visit their website, fqblegacy.org, to see how you can get involved. Special thanks to Reverend Lonnie Brown Jr., Patty Irby, Taylor Irby, Kim Kelly, and Sheila Smith for sharing their experience with the Freedom Quilting Bay Legacy. Thank you for listening to Alabama Arts Radio. Alabama Arts comes to you from the Alabama State Council on the Arts and the Alabama Center for Traditional Culture. Technical production by Deb Boykin. Series theme music, The Bounds of Beauty, written and performed by Scooter Muse.
This week on Alabama Arts, Wren Carroll and Jacqueline Viscup learn about the history of the Freedom Quilting Bee. I, the next reason I, I was particularly interested in is because of the people who initiated this, Ms. Estella Willspoon in particular. She was a remarkable lady. It, it was more than just a statement. She lived it and imparted this with the community. That's Sunday, 5 a.m. Central on Troy Public Radio. This morning on Alabama Arts, Wren Carroll and Jacqueline Viscup learn about the history of the Freedom Quilting Bee in conversations with Kim Kelly, volunteer director, and several board members who grew up in the area. It, in my mind, from my childhood, it has always stood out as a worthwhile, community-based, positive force, I guess. I, the next reason I, I was particularly interested in is because of the people who initiated this, Ms. Estella Willspoon in particular. She was a remarkable lady. It, it was more than just a statement. It was more than just a, a haphazard faith. She, she lived it and imparted this with the community. But first, the news. <laughs> 